There's no such thing as questions, just hidden answers. Stay tuned to PH Murder Stories as we revisit the inconceivable crimes that exist. Some listeners may find the following content of PH Murder Stories highly disturbing due to its graphic nature. PH Murder Stories does not condone nor promote violence of all sorts. Listener discretion is advised. Well, the latest count is that uh, we have verified and confirmed 108 casualties. But uh, the operation, uh, there, is, exists, uh, there is now a full operation round the clock in the area so we can finish the work as soon as possible. Ah, napakahirap ang pagre-retrieve ng bodies kasi ano, uh, tons of garbage ang, ano, ang tumabon doon sa mga tao na yan. So nangangailangan pa nga, hindi nga kaya ng mano-mano eh. Kasi kung mano-mano lang, napakarami ng tao na tumutulong kahapon pa, uh, around 8 in the morning. Kaya lang, ang talagang kailangan dito is yung bako. Sa tingin ko po, wala na po kasi lahat po kasi nang nakuha rito eh, mga patay na. Kasi po nasunog na po sila eh. Tsaka wala na rin po akong pag-asa na buhay pa sila. Tsaka kahit na po patay na sila, gusto ko lang silang makita. Lopang impyerno. Pagkatag araw, apoy. Pagkatag ulan, landslide. Wala ko kami magawa dahil mahirap. On July 10, 2000, a mountain of rain-loosed garbage collapsed and turned into flames, burying a housing site in Barangay Payatas in Quezon City. The incident caused the death of as many as 1,000 individuals and the destruction of about 100 houses. According to official records, around 260 deaths were reported and around 300 persons were missing, while 655 families were rendered homeless due to the incident. However, other sources insist that 705 people died in Payatas, and many first-hand accounts note the figure is far greater than the official count, perhaps closer to 1,000. Located in the northeastern part of Quezon City, Payatas is the third most populous barangay and one of the fastest growing populations in the city, occupying 4% of its total population and almost 5% of its total land area. But some academic researchers suggest that the real figure is closer to half a million since most people are informal settlers and therefore do not own the land they are living in. Payatas dump site was formed in the 1970s the area used to be a ravine with nearby farming villages and rice fields before being converted to a dumping site. It covers 74 acres of property, rises as high as seven stories, and carries a daily average of 10,000 tons of rubbish from the metropolis. When Smoky Mountain was closed in 1995, some scavengers migrated to the dump site to sustain the source of living. Smoky Mountain was a notorious dump site in Tondo, Manila that operated for 40 years but eventually closed due to numerous fires that took many lives. 
1990, informal settlers from different parts of Quezon City were relocated to this side of Barangay Payatas by the city government under then-Mayor Brigido Simon. The chief executive placed them under a community mortgage program that allowed them to gain lot ownership. Until today, the relocators keep their community mortgage certificates in their treasure chest, like they would a land title. The original residents always lament that we were here first, before the dump site. They are sentimental about their lost view across the gorge, which is now filled with trash. Payatas residents are longing for the land of promise they have dreamed of, which became a land of hell. Mayor Simon lost his re-election bid in 1992 to then-Congressman Ismael Matay Jr. He tried to run again for the same post the next election, but was again defeated. Since Simon failed to regain his power, the Matay administration allowed a large portion of its lot as a waste dump of the whole metropolis. The large pile of garbage drew nearer the relocation site until the tragedy happened. After a weekend of heavy rain, a slide hit a mountain of smoldering garbage crushed down to about a hundred houses of 655 families. Later, caused by a dangerous mix of methane gas and downed electrical utility poles, a burst of fire spread across the dump site. The local authorities noted around 260 casualties and 300 persons missing. But other sources debunked the official records and claimed as many as 1,000 people died. But there is only one certain fact about the incident. The actual death toll will never be known. Firstly, because the government has no idea how many people were living alongside the dump and does not care how many have lost their lives. As mentioned a while ago, the census only showed more than 100,000 population in the barangay. But some scholars claimed that the right figure should be 500,000. Only about one-fifth of the 150-foot range of rubbish has been dug during the retrieval operation. The work was hindered by the enormous stink of decaying scraps and burnt flesh and lack of adequate equipment. Only two backhoes were made available. All rescuers had to use shovels, picks, and spades to fulfill their duty. Desperate relatives used their bare hands in their rubble, hoping to find their loved ones alive. Meanwhile, the forensic team headed by Raquel Fortun expressed difficulty in identifying the recovered remains because they were already in an advanced state of decomposition. In the Philippines, there are only two forensic pathologists, despite the demand, Dr. Fortun and Dr. Cecilia Lim. Although forensic pathology is a need, no institution extends proper education on this discipline in the country. Then-Defense Secretary Orlando Mercado, who was leading the rescue operations at that time, said, It's high time to come up with a national policy on solid waste management. We cannot allow people to live so dangerously under the shadow of death in this dump site. We should have implemented the law much more strictly. For then-President Joseph Estrada, who gained the highest elective position with the moniker Era Para Samahirap, it is the garbage that is the problem, 
not the people who are forced to scavenge to survive. He said, hopefully, in the next few months we will have a solution to the problem. On the other hand, then-Mayor Ismael Matai Jr. diverted all criticisms to his government by saying that he had ordered the residents out of the area the previous week for fear of landslides, but they had refused to go. The dumping area was expected to be closed permanently seven months before this dreadful incident. But the plan was postponed after residents surrounding the World Bank financed 73-hectare regional sanitary landfill in San Mateo Rizal refused to allow rubbish from the metropolis to be placed there. The garbage landfills in San Mateo Rizal and Carmona Cavite, both designed and constructed to international standards, were supposed to carry the burden left by the closure of Smoky Mountain, but suspended their operations after a heightened public opinion pressured the government and abandoned the unmanageable dumping to Payatas alone. Due to the adverse effects of the disaster, Estrada ordered the closure of the dumping ground to make way for the search and rescue operations of the authorities. But weeks later, Matai reopened the dump site to avert his city from turning into a stinking waste dump. The Quezon City local government's reason behind the reopening was to combat the intoxicating smell coming from the dump site, which might affect the health of the people living in the city. In 2001, Mayor Feliciano Belmonte Jr. replaced Matay as the chief executive of Quezon City. As the former mayor, his mishaps from the handling of the ozone disco fire in 1996 and the Bayatas tragedy in 2000 finally caught up to him. Matay lost in the 2001 congressional elections in the 4th district of Quezon City. His luck ran out, and he never won an election ever again. Meanwhile, Mayor Belmonte vowed to close the Payatas dump site and instead would provide alternative solutions to properly manage garbage collection and disposal in the city. Belmonte also spearheaded the Quezon City Disaster Coordinating Council and Quezon City Solid Waste Management's efforts to discuss ways to provide support to the tragedy's victims and implement proper garbage management. In 2004, Open dump sites in the country became prohibited. Four years after the law was established, the efforts of Congress became successful after the passage of Republic Act 9003, or the Ecological Solid Waste Management Act of 2000. The law mandates that all dump sites must be converted into sanitary landfills by 2004, and the controlled dump sites by 2006. This led to the transformation of the Payatas Open Dump Site to a controlled disposal facility from 2004 to 2010. Eventually, it was closed. In 2011, a separate landfill with a stricter waste management policy was established near the old Open Dump Site. However, several people were still not satisfied with the new policy of transforming the area into a sanitary landfill, as it could also lead to catastrophic tragedies. In 2017, former Environment Secretary Gina Lopez looked into prohibiting garbage dumps near bodies of water or reservoirs, citing the Payatas landfill, which was near La Mesa watershed, as an example. On the other hand, 
the Quezon City government was preparing the closure of the landfill. Though they were waiting for the Metropolitan Manila Development Authority's instructions on designating a place for the city to dump its waste. Eight months later, the Environmental Management Bureau ordered the closure of the Payatas landfill in Quezon City, as it was already near its carrying capacity limit. Many environmental advocates were pleased with the decision and stated that the closure was long overdue. Meanwhile, the country's entertainment industry played a role in depicting the unfortunate incident. Did you know that the setting of the hit TV series in the year 2000, called Pangako Sayo, was inspired by the Payatas tragedy? At the peak of the so-called Talia fever in the Philippines, ABS-CBN introduced Pangako Sayo, starring Christine Hermosa and Jericho Rosales. With its social relevance that captured its audience from the masses, the soap gave Mexican telenovelas a run for their money after reaching a massive hit during its run. In 2015, the hit series came back with a remake from its predecessor in the year 2000. This time, the recent TV series was starred by one of the country's popular love teams, Kathniel, which consists of Catherine Bernardo and Daniel Padilla. However, instead of the dump site setting, where Amor's family first started, the 2015 version of Amor's family took place in a mining site. With a nightmare brought by the Payatas tragedy, a daydream was given by what they thought was, quote, just another trash, unquote. All it took was a single paper boat to alter the three young boys' future from Calvary to Paradise. Shortly after the dump site's tragic incident, the Bangkang Papel Boys conveyed their grievances to then-newly-installed President Gloria Macapagal Arroyo through an urban poor support group. Those boys were 8-year-old Edwin Dolera, 10-year-olds Jomer Pabalan, and Jason Van Banogon. Edwin asked for the closure of the Payatas dump site. Jomer sought to get his father a job, and Jason Van requested to get free education. Together with 30 other children, they wrote their dreams and wishes on paper. Afterwards, they folded the paper into boats and let it float on the Pasig River, hoping to reach the Malacanang Palace. However, the paper boats did not reach the palace, but it sure did catch President Arroyo's attention. In her first State of the Nation address, or SONA, Arroyo presented the story of the boys who touched the hearts of many. She invited them to her office and provided them with a scholarship, livelihood, and other forms of assistance. Nine years later, Edwin and Jomer reported that the Aquino administration terminated their scholarship after they took office and recommended instead for the Study Now, Pay Later program. Fortunately, amid the displeasure towards the Aquino government's distasteful acts, then-Secretary Dinky Soliman of the Department of Social Welfare and Development has committed to continue their educational assistance. Meanwhile, former President Arroyo, who was incarcerated at the time due to plunder charges, still managed to keep her promise to support their education even after her term. In 2016, Edwin Dolera, who was 24 years old at the time, died at San Lazaro Hospital after two weeks of battling pneumonia and complications due to tuberculosis. 
who is also a production assistant at News 5. Jason Van Banogon, on the other hand, went on with his life and did not pursue his studies. Only Jomer Pabalan took advantage of the free educational support and studied information technology at the AMA University in Quezon City. As for the other victims of the Payatas tragedy, the Quezon City Regional Trial Court Branch 97 has found the Quezon City government liable for gross negligence and ordered them to pay over 6 million pesos in damages to the victims' families. According to presiding judge Marilutamang, quote, the improper and irresponsible dumping of waste thereby creating a mountain-like pile of garbage is the proximate cause of the violent death of the victims and loss of personal and real properties, unquote. It is very unfortunate to know that Payatas did not live up to its moniker, Lupang Pangako. Instead, it lived through a tragic incident that emphasized the incompetencies of public officials at the time. For two decades, the irony of Lupang Pangako haunted the victims of the tragedy. A lot of politicians promised to deliver support, but not everyone was given the proper assistance. Despite the broken promises, the significance of this tragedy has paved the way for the enactment of the Ecological Solid Waste Management Act of 2000 and other effective waste management practices that our government is implementing as of today. Hindi ko kasi makalimutan eh. Lalo na ngayon na parang ako lang mag-isa sa, sa buhay. Kasi wala man ibang nag-ano sa akin. Ako lang naman. Kaya ang naalala ko mga anak ko, kahit sino hindi mapawi yung sama na loob na dinulot ng basura. Parang ano, parang galit ako sa mundo. Kasi ano eh, kami po ay nilagay ng city government po dito. Hindi kami tumirik ng bahay sa ibabaw ng dump site ng payatas. Napakasakit po. Sana hindi na lang kami nirelocate dito kung ganun lang pala ang plano ng gobyerno. Dapat matagal nang mapunta sa kanila yan. Tingin ko, justice has been so delayed for the heirs of the Payatas tragedy. Magpapasko na. Sana kay papaano, magkaroon naman sila ng makasaysayang Pasko because of this. Kakalungkot lang, 20 years. Ganun lang nakakasamin. Siyempre, hindi, kahit ganun, hindi namin makalimutan. Walang katumbas po yun, eh, na sakit sa tutunan. Stay tuned to our next episode as we tackle the gruesome robbery and homicide of the father of one of our loyal listeners, who just recently learned the facts about his father's death and suggested this case to us. For further updates, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PH Murder Stories, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, PH Murder Stories. If you have case suggestions, please go to our website at phmurderstories.com and fill out the request form at File Your Blotter. Did you like this episode? Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening in other platforms, kindly send us a review on our Facebook page or send us a tweet. You can also share our podcast 
to your Instagram and Facebook stories through Spotify. Your support would significantly benefit PH Murder Stories to produce more quality content. We're also inviting you to join our Facebook group, PH Murder Stories The Verdict, and participate in our bi-weekly discourse about true crime, both local and international. This group is a safe space for true crime and mystery fans like us who want to engage in thorough discussions about the subject. See you there, suspects. The verdict is in your hands. See you there. One of the most gruesome murders towards an overseas Filipino worker happened in 2016 when authorities from Kuwait discovered the body of a missing Filipina placed in a freezer at an abandoned apartment. The gruesome discovery of her remains sent shockwaves across the OFW community. In 2007, a young mother fighting for custody of her two daughters suddenly disappeared. Two years later, she was found cemented inside a drum dumped in the waters of Navota City, Metro Manila. After a valid testimony of a disgruntled witness who later on recanted his story and became missing up to this date. At midnight of July 18, 2002, a 32-year-old British businessman was found murdered at his apartment in Makati City, Metro Manila. For years, the case would go unsolved, while his mother battled to piece together the clues of his death. Want to hear the rest of these sensational true crime stories? Subscribe as a prime suspect at our Patreon page and get one bonus exclusive case every month for only $5. Patreon is a way to join your favorite creators community and pay them for making the stuff you love. You can now pay a few bucks per month or per post that the creator makes. For more updates, please visit our website at phmurderstories.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, PH Murder Stories, and follow our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at PH Murder Stories.